0: You get nervous. I bet you guys are so nervous recording a live show. All these people.
1: We typically get locked up in our little rooms with a microphone, and we don't have to interact with people. It's, I guess no one's gonna introduce us. <laughs> <laughs> We're on our own. We're on our own. This is what
2: happens at the end of the conference. <laughs> they're, probably yeah, they're probably on a plane going home.
3: Welcome to.
1: For most consumers, the search for a healthcare provider is a frustrating maze of bewildering choices and unanswered questions, and they really want to hear what other patients have to say in order to make
2: a decision with confidence. With Loyal's Empower Solution, you have the tools to do just that. Empower your patients, the patient, and provide a solution, maximizing star ratings while introducing deeper insights into what patients really are saying about their experience. You could sort, approve,
1: and publish patient reviews of physicians, services, and even practices using some of the intelligent features like auto approval and syntax highlighting. To learn more, visit
2: them online at loyalhealth.com. All right, here we are, episode sixty-six of Touchpoint, and uh, for those that listened um, to episode sixty-five, mm-hmm. was also live. From this very conference That's right. right so I am joined as always by Chris Boyer
1: hey Reed how's it going I'm
2: good good I'm good and uh, we have a guest today so uh, in the in the absence of someone introducing us at yeah. the conference maybe we introduce ourselves a little bit yeah is that fair
1: that sounds good okay. why don't you go first
2: all right so I'm a former hospital marketing guy uh, I do this podcast now weekly with Chris
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, for a little over a year now yeah Uh, We've launched some other shows, and so we've kind of turned this into a network of shows. This particular one that you're listening to is on digital marketing. Uh, And now I consult and work with hospitals around the country, as as many people do, and uh, on all things digital.
1: That's right. That's right. And so me, I am Chris Boyer, and I have been in digital and healthcare for a very long time. I got to know Reed about 10 years ago. We were some of the first people on Twitter talking about healthcare way back then. That's how we got to know each other. and. We've always been threatening to get together and do a podcast, and about a year ago, we started to do one, and, and it's become an annual podcast, and so we're going to share a little bit about our experience around that. I currently work as the director of digital and analytics at Fairview Health Services and the University of Minnesota Health, that's in the Twin Cities area. Reed's in Austin. I'm in Minnesota, so that's another thing to keep in mind as we're talking about this. And um, and w- we just have a lot of fun doing this. Yep. And when we were preparing for this, we thought that it would be really good to bring in an expert that can help us about, uh, to talk about the experiences. <laughs> so that it
2: actually knows what they're doing.
1: Actually knows what they're doing, yeah. And so that's why we have Scott. Scott, you want to introduce yourself?
0: Yeah, my name's Scott Singphil. Um I think it was promised a panel of experts, but you know, I guess I'm a panel. So. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing that I'm considered a panel. I originally started in radio when I was knee high to a microphone when I was still in high school. I always wanted to be a DJ, so I pursued that for about 20 years. And then some things changed, uh, uh, and I became an advertising copywriter for a bit. I teach a broadcast class at Salt Lake Community College, uh, radio performance and production. And I've worked for the past almost five years at University of Utah Health. I'm in charge of the ScopeRadio.com, which is the way we're using audio content, both in podcasting and in other ways to help market as part of our content marketing strategy. So we'll talk more about the scope a little bit and kind of how we set it up and what we're doing. He is the one who had
1: to travel the least amount of distance for this show. So. I think
0: that's so. why I'm here, quite frankly.
2: I <laughs> that's no, so true. I, I, I don't know. He He's the one that actually knows what he's doing. Chris and I just signed up for Twitter first. So, that's right. Um, anyway. <laughs> All right. So here we are. So... Uh, Podcasting. Uh, this is one of those things. I think you know. I started listening to podcasts some years ago. It seemed to be that maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but it seemed like it kind of died off a little bit. Has mm-hmm. had a resurgence in recent year or years. I guess I don't. I don't know. Um, and so you know, is is podcasting still a thing? You know, uh, we, we've seen a lot of stats. A- a- Apple just yeah. announced that they've uh, surpassed 50 billion downloads. On the podcast side of the equation, I think Google made an announcement along the same lines, but it was more around their goal to double the amount of podcasts people listen to by, and I don't remember the year, but over the next few years, 2020 yeah. or something,
1: yeah, something like, like that. Something like
2: that, yeah. So typically, what we're seeing is that uh, this is a great way. We're seeing less people, you know, and I think internet radio is maybe weighed into mm-hmm. this a little bit with uh, Pandora and things like that. People want to listen to things on demand, Spotify, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, the commute is still there, and so people are listening to this on their commute, and, and that's what we're seeing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I I don't know.
1: You, well, you know, Scott, I mean, I was, you you were talking about a, a stat that you read that surprised you yesterday about that.
0: Well, actually, it's surprising. You'd think most people do listen in their cars, but I think it's like twenty two percent, fifty percent of people listen at home. So I mean, I guess it doesn't matter where they're listening. Um, it's probably just important to know because that might play into how you would strategize, you know, how you're mm-hmm. going to do your podcast. Uh, I think an interesting quote is from a podcast I listened to called The Accidental Creative. He started in 2009, and back then he said, "I thought I was way late to the game." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> right. and so he says that a lot. So I think we all tend to think we're way late to the game, but I think it's still the wild west out there, and there's a lot of opportunity, and it is growing.
2: There, there's always room for a better widget. You know, so if you've got a good idea and you have the right subject matter expertise and things like that, you can still you know have mm-hmm. a successful show. Absolutely. Uh, but but two, several people have come up to us here mm-hmm. um, and, and said that they listen to your point. They listen while working out. You know, a lot of people have earbuds in. They do that type of thing. So yeah.
1: So I guess we go for since our podcast that we do is about an hour long, we go for those people that are hardcore workout you know, work out <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. Um, but let me, let me share some stats that we found from, uh, and this is just recently, at the end of 20, 2017, this study was put out. But, you know, these numbers, they always change and stats come out and more and more, right? Um, about 67 million people in the U.S. right now listen to podcasts. Uh, that has doubled since 2008, <laughs> and it's increasing ever more, right? Uh, one in five adults regularly listen to podcasts. That's interesting. I mean, think about that. Look around. Four of you don't, one of you do. Um, uh, there's a, h- a high level of engagement. 15% of the US population listen to podcasts weekly, weekly. And they subscribe to six or more. So pe- these are people that are very committed to the platform. I know that I am. You guys are, too. Yep. And usually when podcasters get together, what did we do yesterday? We pulled out our phones. We're like, what's what's what your you favorite podcast? Yeah. What are you listening to? Because that's something that we, That's almost like a, a, a language that we have. Um, and really, eighty-five percent of listeners they say hear all the, all of the podcast regardless of the length, because the great news about it is you can stop, and then you can you know listen to it later. So that's important to keep in mind. I think the important piece here, though, it's got to be good content, as it always comes down to, um, smartphones, tablets, or portable audio players is about sixty-five percent. That makes sense, right? Uh, I'm wondering if next year they're going to talk about Alexa or any of those home devices because you can now play that. In fact, you can hear our podcast on those devices if you'd like. Uh, 33% still use the computer. So, Scott, to your point, that stat of people listening at home, they're probably walking around with their headsets on, you know, vacuuming or whatever, mowing the
2: lawn. But I think, I think we're still seeing a fair amount of people, especially in the office, that you know minimize the browser or have it on a different tab and whether it's uh, Pandora or podcasting or whatever, they've got something playing in the background in, in a lot of cases.
1: Mm-hmm. And iTunes, I mean that's the place to go. I mean, if you think about podcasting, iTunes still is first and foremost the, the where the platform you want to go at, what did you say fifty billion?
2: Fifty billion downloads.
1: Wow. This stat said in ten billion in 2016. So there you go, right? So this is an audience that's out there, but it's also growing exponentially. So that's an important thing to keep in mind. So when we hear about a podcast, what do you guys think about? What does that sound? What's the definition of a podcast, right? Well, as we tend to do in our show, we go look up online. And this time we didn't go to Wikipedia where we usually go because that's the authoritative source for all online information. But Merriam-Webster calls a podcast a program that's music, talk, or video that's made available in digital format for automatic download over the internet. Okay. Uh, it's usually episodic. It's available for subscription. Um, it's a portmanteau of iPod because that's what it was originally designed for and broadcast podcast. So one of my favorite podcasts I listen to, they call it a pod. We're listening to a pod. I don't know what the language is going to change on this. It might not be called podcast in in, in the future. I don't know. What do you think?
0: I think it's stuck there. I think that's the name it's going to be. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, a couple of things to unpack, I think, on that uh-huh. that are important on what is a podcast. There's a couple of terms. Uh, a couple of its superpowers are the fact that you can't subscribe. There's not many other content forms anymore that you can be automatically delivered to somebody's device when you publish. With RSS feeds, you used to be able to do that with blog, but that's kind of gone away. So, you know, that's one thing. And then the episodic nature of it. People start to look forward to it and start incorporating it into their life. When they work out, they look forward to their Monday release dates of their favorite podcasts. So that's another superpower. Oh. That if you're thinking of creating your own podcast, you should really try to tap into those two, two things.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I know that my one of our favorite, our number one fans is my mother-in-law, and every <laughs> Wednesday morning she she listens to our podcast. In fact, if it's late, she texts me and she says, "Where is it?" You know, she does it. She listens to it when she goes for a morning walk. So.
0: And hopefully, if other people other than your mother-in-law are doing that, that's exactly what you want, right? They're, they're not just—they're not just. You're not pushing it to them. They're actively waiting to receive what it is you want to say.
3: Yeah. Right, right. Yeah.
0: That's what everybody does with our show. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So one of the questions that I'll address a little bit later when I'm talking about the scope is: all audio always a podcast and. When I teach this to students, I say no, because generally it is episodic. It's subscribable. Um, there's some consistency there. Mm -hmm. Generally it's the same host that you start to develop a relationship with. Um, and a lot of our stuff, we use different doctors on kind of the same shows and I'll Mm -hmm. get into that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And, um, generally podcasts tend to be focused on a singular niche. So you don't just talk to runners, you talk to long distance runners and you don't just talk to them. You talk to those people that run hundred K's right that's your audience. And you might only get a thousand of those people. And a lot of us talk about, you know, how big is your audience? Well, it doesn't matter. Because if those are the thousand right people and you have uh, an advertiser that wants to advertise to those people, how much more powerful is that audience versus the one that's listening to the radio?
1: It's right. kind of like that old saying, right? It's, it's not counting the number of people you reach, it's reaching the number of people that count. Or as you say, what do you say? The riches is in the niches? Yeah, the riches
0: are in the niches. <laughs> but that's, that's stolen. From a podcaster,
2: <laughs> that's a good one, though. It's a good, good one. That's good. Um, when we talk about podcasting, there's a few different ways to, to view this or think about this. I'm sure many of you uh, listen to a number of different shows, but one of them is probably the most common is an interview-based show. Like that's the that's the entirety of the show. You know, it's uh, um, you know, Alec Baldwin has a show called. Um, that's a good question. Something that I used to listen to. Good example. Uh, it's a great example. Uh, I'll think of it in a minute.
1: Mark um, Marone does WTS. Yeah, he
2: does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Lance Armstrong actually has a podcast. It's actually very good. Yeah. And, and he basically just interviews other famous people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, you have the interview interview style show. Solo is going to be more of just somebody with uh, – Um, You know, kind of a manifesto, or it's just, you know, they're they're talking. It's much like writing a blog. Mm -hmm. You know, they're they're coming on and talking uh, at whatever frequency that their show comes out. Storytelling's a little bit different. You know, obviously it's, uh, uh, and you'll see some overlap between these, but storytelling, pretty straightforward. They're they're telling, unpacking a story. That's Uh, serial. Like serial, right? It could be. It could be over one episode. It could be over multiple episodes or over a season, if you will, or something Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, the episodic piece, I think Serial was really the one that that made yeah. that popular. Did people listen to Serial, the podcast? Yeah. So you see some things like that that come out, and we've even seen some since that are more like Netflix. They release all eight or ten episodes at once versus once a week or something like that. Um, and, you know, news, that's pretty straightforward, obviously. I um, mean, you see some kind of overlapping of this. You have more of the variety show, um, Blink Night type type piece, mm-hmm. uh, knowledge base, those like Freakonomics, some of those type shows, um, and, uh, and you know even repurposed content, quite honestly. NPR. So, so, yeah. NPR, it was on the radio, now it's a podcast. You see some people that you know they did video content and now they've, they've ripped the audio from it and made it into more of an audio delivery, things mm-hmm. like
0: that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So this podcast here is a two-headed yeah. radio style. Right. Because you have segments, as you're going to see, different segments like mm-hmm. a radio show would. Mm-hmm. Interview show, so mm-hmm. that's the overlap that he's right. talking about. Right. And the approach is going to depend on what your goals are, what you're trying to accomplish. I'm here to tell you the interview style show is by far and away the easiest one to do.
2: Huh? It's yeah.
0: the easiest to produce, it's easiest to prep. If you've ever tried talking in front of a microphone for a half hour and remain engaging, that's really hard to do. These other types of formats a lot of times require a lot of production value. So <laughs> depending on how much time you have, might yeah. dictate yeah. how what you pick. That's well, right.
2: I, I mentioned at the beginning that we have launched some other shows and I've told all of those hosts that that literally I can tell you all the things not to do now that Chris and I have done this for over a year and how we have our show structured and everything we do is not what I would recommend. Yeah. So it's uh it works for it works for us, but you know, we we've got uh, two co-hosts and so now we've got to coordinate when we're going to record we've got an interview that we have to interlace right. and we have different segments and so the production of it requires more effort and energy and
0: anyway
1: I'm exhausted okay all right. um, why don't you talk about the strengths of audio Scott
0: so I think if you're considering using podcasting you really need to understand the medium a little bit what are its strengths so you can capitalize because all mediums have strengths right if you're doing it to do a video probably is your best option. Maybe an infographic would be a best option for something else. So if you're looking to make a direct and intimate connection with the audience, audio is the king of that because how many other mediums does somebody put you right in their ear? If I was to do that right now, it'd be a little creepy, right? (laughs) See, I just proved that it's creepy. Um, Plus people can hear in the human voice, you can hear nuances that you cannot read in writing. It's very intimate. So At the scope, one of our challenges is to humanize our doctors. Audio Mm -hmm. makes perfect sense because Mm -hmm. they can hear their personality. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a good thing, sometimes a bad thing, but we do the best we can. Um, People can multitask while listening. So if your target audience does work out, there's a pretty good chance they have time in their life in order to incorporate that. Or if you know they have a commute, audio might be a good solution. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's easier to work with than video, meaning... If you've done a video of a doctor talking about something, there's a lot of things that can distract a viewer. Their office. I mean, there's a lot of setup just even to record that video, right? And then their own kind of in front of the camera. Audio, you remove all of that. This American Life tried a video version of their show, and what they found was that it wasn't that direct emotional connection because people would look at the person's environment that they were telling the story about and start making judgments about them. So, you know, oh, look how this person lives. I bet you they're like this. You know, it removed all of that strength of the emotional connection. Um, At The Scope, we've been able to generate a lot of content in a time-efficient manner. So, again, that's a goal. Mm -hmm. Uh, In a half-hour period, we can do two five-minute interviews. When we transcript those out, that's about a thousand words. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's huge, right? Uh, And then... Google loves those transcripts because, as a result, there's a lot of natural language in there that Google Search loves. And we know natural language search is a big deal now. So, Hey, we want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors, and that's our good friends at
1: Binary Fountain.
2: You know, as a healthcare marketer, it's probably pretty obvious these days how much time you're spending uh, on reviews, ratings relative to hospitals, physicians, all that kind of good stuff. You know, too many of those are going unanswered, and they're certainly not being analyzed. This could be costing us new and current customers. It could be impacting our patient
1: experience scores and potentially impacting our revenue. Luckily, our good friends at Binary Fountain have an online reputation management platform called Binary Health Analytics.
2: If you'd like to learn more or even schedule a demo, visit them online at binaryfountain.com. That's binaryfountain.com. You know,
1: we did some research around all the different types of health and wellness and podcasts that are out there in in our space, in our industry. And I'm just going to very high level share with you sort of the three genres we're seeing. The first is these health and wellness related podcasts where they're typically covering a wide breadth of content. It could be a variety of different things, exercise programs. It could be about nutrition. It could be a variety of these different types of topics. Usually they they interview experts, sometimes not even physicians. They're not usually produced by hospitals. Um, In fact, they're done a lot by third party companies, although some hospitals play in the space. And you know the intent of these is really to just generate an engagement with that audience, and some of them are maybe also to sell a product, quite frankly. But um, you know many non-hospital brands are in this kind of segment of the podcasting space now the other segment is uh these are that are more professional focused in healthcare, and what's interesting there's a quite a number of these that are like cme or cne related they also have um where they're talking about thought leaderships they're trying to establish themselves in a particular you know uh, uh specialty or subspecialty there's professional development nursing podcasts that talk about they're not cne but they talk about best practices around magnet journeys that sort of thing and these are typically hosted by the a clinical professional or an academic professional right that's a, a uh, someone that's in the space that's actually practicing that medicine or, or practice it in some way and they're regularly published and they typically they tend to be short in length, makes sense their audience probably doesn't you know want to consume it a lot, they probably don't have a lot of time so they're typically about a half hour or even less and then the last are these more industry niche type podcasts which are those focused on like interest to our industry so a good example is the one that Reed and I do right which is oh, I'm behind here there we go. Um, is the one we do around digital marketing right and in healthcare uh, there's others around HIPAA there's actually a whole podcast around HIPAA, uh, interesting, or social media or health, you know, law and healthcare and things like that. So these are typically not done by hospitals. they're typically done by people like Reed and myself, which are you know people that think they're smart and have a lot to say to the industry.
3: <laughs>
0: right and It's great because nobody can give us direct feedback so yeah, exactly. So if you're considering doing a podcast, uh, capturing good content is key, and that means a lot of different things. So it means the quality of the audio you gain plus the quality of the content. So uh, we put together a few tips here that if you decide to do this, that it might point you in the right direction. Now, of course, this is not a comprehensive, but you can talk to us afterwards if you want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing is once you get your interview in, and I'm gonna just frame it as that for now, that type of show, you know, have everybody turn off their phones, make sure there's no distractions around Um, Not only for the audio, but also just for the focus. Projectors that have fans, those are bad. Microphones hear those better than your ears ever could. Mm -hmm. So be sure that all those distractions are gone. Um, Since it is an audio-only medium and there's no visuals, good audio is uh, crucial. Now... I worked in radio so I was used to pristine audio and I really had to adjust because now I say it just needs to be good enough it needs to be good enough that the person doesn't go this is bad audio mm-hmm. so that doesn't mean it needs to be pristine right so yeah. you can record great audio that's good enough in less than perfect locations which we do all the time at the mm-hmm. Um you want to be sure when you're interviewing that you keep your answers in context so when you start your interview or your show you've got kind of a narrowly defined niche right and somebody might say something And you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. I want to pursue that. You really got to make sure that you're sticking to what it is that you've promised your listener that particular niche. And that can be really challenging sometimes, especially when you're naturally curious. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, get to know who you're interviewing beforehand. Uh, these guys use this strategy. I use this strategy. I will start recording and just start having a brief little conversation about, Hey, so how's your day going so far? And this seems like mindless kind of unnecessary chit chat, but it's not because what it's doing is it's actually helping that person calm down a little bit. Mm-hmm. You get a feel for what, you know, you're going to get in the interview and that allows you to sometimes do a little coaching beforehand. Like I need you to speak up a little bit louder. Funniest part is when you get somebody and you're having this lively pre-conversation. And then you're like, all right, let's go ahead and start the interview. And all of a sudden they, well, thank you very much for having me. They turn all in. And <laughs> like, where was that person I was talking to two yeah. minutes ago? I yeah. want that person. Right. Yeah. And because I have that pre-conversation, I'm able to say that and actually get that essence. So, That's true. Um, comes to don't wait to start recording both before and after. Sometimes I get my best stuff when they think it's done. I keep those mics rolling, and then I'll ask permission because otherwise, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that comes to you know, getting audio B-roll after it's done. You can ask maybe those additional questions you wanted to ask. You can use them at a later date, perhaps. Maybe it doesn't mm-hmm. fit that show. Um, in audio, it's really important to have a structure because people can't see it. When you read, you can see the paragraphs and the headings and the subheads. Audio, you can't, so you have to be sure that you come across with that structure in how you present your material. And then have fun because you're not having fun, what's the point? And besides, the listener can hear you having fun as well. And it's contagious. A couple things about the
2: environment. Uh, It's it's really important when you're doing that because it does, it's strange what these microphones will pick up that you're not hearing in Mm -hmm. in real time. Uh, Make sure they don't have things in their hands, you know, because they'll sit there and start doing this all the time. And then you play it back and that's all you can hear. Or if the chair swivels, like get get a chair that doesn't move and doesn't have wheels on it and won't lean back because you'll end up with all these weird noises that you can't so figure true. out. And then you can't do anything about that.
0: Yeah. I did one just to demonstrate and you're gonna have it on your podcast, so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> click, click click. like banging on the table, yeah. you know, or talking, yeah. bring your hands yeah. down, that shoots up through these microphones. Yeah, be so yeah. careful those things. Absolutely. So you
1: get good content, then what do you have to do is you have to make it into something, right? You have to produce it or edit it. Um, I, I do the editing for the show and I'll give you a couple tips here around editing uh, just very quickly. First of all, it typically follows a two to one ratio depending on what you're editing. If you do interview styles, you can probably pick it up pretty quickly, almost directly. But if you're really doing a production of a show, it could take for every minute you record two minutes to edit it. It's, it's, you got to commit that time. And edit for content, right? Don't necessarily edit for accuracy. When we first started, read I would I, try, I would try to edit, read all of his ums and ers and all that other stuff and my own because I don't want to hear that, right? I thought, but part of that is part of your natural language and you want to keep that in. That's okay. I mean, you definitely want to edit out some of the things, but you know, make sure that you're when you're editing it, make it sound like it's natural language. And that speaks to the third one about having a light touch. Uh, if you listen to some of our earlier shows, I'm a guy I speak very fast and very quick, and read is the exact opposite. And when you listen to earlier shows, Reed sounds like he's from New York. He's like really quick, concise. Because I would cut all the spaces out,
2: and my wife was like, "Why are you talking so fast?" Yeah,
1: I was like, "It's Chris's fault. I'm not." Yeah, exactly, that. <laughs> exactly. So now what you got to do is, you know, keep that in mind. What for Reed and I, it's a good flow as, as co-hosts. It's a nice natural balance. You want to do that with your interviewers as well. Make sure you create breaks if it's a long show. We have an hour-long show, so we have breaks. We use audio to make those breaks. They're little, like, segment breaks. Also, we have some advertisements in there that helps. But um, that really gives the reader first, or the listener, I should say, the first, if they are at a point where they got to stop and they got to go on, great great stopping point. It also gives them a little bit of break from hearing your, your voice. Because, you know they don't always your ear needs some some time just like your eyes need time and if you use uh, music like i do i go to creative commons and then you got to give credit for that but there's a lot of great places in fact you know there's a lot of uh, free resources for audio for uh, podcasting out there if you want to do that certainly do that that's one thing i like to do and the last I think, the most important one is when you're editing coffee really helps because it's really you focus right is that true
0: Coffee absolutely helps. And I was going to say on editing, for us at the scope, when you're dealing with healthcare professionals that people are developing a trust with, when you edit, if people can hear the edits, mm. then it sounds a little shady, right? You kind of subconsciously, you can't commun- you cannot not communicate. So even the fact somebody can hear an edit um, could take you know that expert's opinion and make it seem like maybe it's not as I'm, I'm not coming up with the word right now which is a terrible thing but
2: well I, I think there's a certain level of authenticity especially yeah. when you're dealing with with uh, people that have levels of expertise yeah. and they don't want to think that you're editing their stuff either right and so plus I think people like to hear it breathe and you know that's just you know they just like that yeah, yeah.
1: but given that I may just edit out that whole part where you couldn't find the answer <laughs> yeah, so <it's> a good <laughs> idea. no one will know <laughs> yeah
0: that was actually a lesson on how to, how to edit. Yeah, exactly. I can do another take if you'd like to edit that. In. <laughs> no, that's exactly. okay. Why don't
1: we move on to the next one? And you were going to talk about this, right, Scott?
0: Yeah, so we, we've kind of talked about the three things. People tend to find podcasting a little overwhelming, like, where do I even start, right? So we've hit on recording your content, getting your content. That's really step one of three steps. Step two is then you've got to edit it. And step three is then it's got to live somewhere and you've got to make it public. So that's this part. Uh, And it all starts with an RSS feed, which is kind of a geeky thing, but um, basically what that means is if you go to an audio service provider, because you don't want your audio living on your own website, uh, and I'll hit this in a couple seconds, they're going to give you this RSS feed, and then that's what you submit to iTunes, and that's what all the other podcatchers, most of the other podcasters catch, and that's what makes it subscribable. So, iTunes is definitely the one that you want to be sure you're on because 82% of all podcast downloads are on iTunes. It's a search engine for podcasts. You need to be there. So, in the case of iTunes, you would submit your RSS feed. You have to submit some other stuff. They're not just going to find you. Um, but then, if you want to find some other podcatchers, you could do that too. So, I uh, used Android for a while and now I have an iPhone, but I still use Overcast. And just because you have an RSS feed with your podcast, Overcast will catch that. So you don't have to worry about them. It's taken care of for you. Stitcher is another popular platform. Again, this is one you have to actually submit to if you want to be on. Uh, There's Podcast Addict. Uh, There's a a service called TuneIn and Google Play. And the ones with the little asterisks on it, TuneIn and Google Play, I guess since we're doing a podcast, I can't use visual, so I'll have to say it. Uh, (laughs) Those are the ones you do have to submit to. And then there's a lot of other podcatchers as well. So it starts with... Having your audio live someplace, SoundCloud is an option. What do you use? We use uh, we use Podbean now.
2: Podbean, Podbean lives and there's there's a number of different ones, Mm -hmm. and and we're even seeing some new ones come into the marketplace where you know you don't think of it as a podcast platform like Spotify, right? Yeah, and so we're starting to see some different places that you can submit some of this content.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. So the thing is, you produce it, and then it has to live somewhere, and then you distribute
1: it. Distribute it. That's really important. And then of course, you know what what is any Conference presentation with me if we don't talk about measurement, right? Because that's really an important part of this. And here's the state of the state the podcast analytics are the worst I have ever seen in this
2: industry.
0: It's terrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. I come from radio and I used to think that our methodology was terrible, but <laughs> it, podcasting is even worse. It,
2: it's really weird because you—you you know everybody's on YouTube and watches YouTube videos. And you look at the analytics and you can see how long people watched and where they fell out and all this great stuff. So people just assume yeah. you have that information around these audio files. Yeah. And then we don't.
1: Yeah, don't you know who downloads your file and how long they listen to it and can't you get their individual? And since they put their at their business address in their iPhone and they're listening to it on their iPhone, doesn't that pass back to you so you know who your audience is? No. That's not how that works. Now, does someone know?
2: <laughs> yes. Probably. Probably. Uh,
1: <laughs> probably. We just don't know. We just don't um, know. Um, so we, this, is how, this, this is how the touchpoint, our, our media network, this is what we're using. So we host the files on PodMeet. And Podbean tells you how many of those files get, you know, how many of those files can can pull in, get out. But the minute it gets pulled into like a podcatcher or another distribution service, we lose track of what that looks like.
0: Yeah, meaning the minute it's downloaded. The minute it's downloaded. If they stream it, you can get some data because it still goes back to their servers. But because of privacy concerns, there's no way to tag that audio file that, you know, people would be cool with. Right. Now,
1: iTunes, that's the biggest podcast player out there. Well, we thought, hey, iTunes Analytics, right? No. Which
2: is new. Just just was introduced it last summer and rolled out in the fall. It's
1: just beta. was introduced. Okay. And that information is not that accurate because, again, I, iTunes is not – I don't believe they're reporting out the amount of information that people are downloading it from. I think it's tied to their podcast app. And I don't use the podcast app on my iPhone. I don't know about you guys. But I think it's tied to that. But we, we it's hard for us to actually understand what those metrics are. Then we thought, well, we're going to host it on our website, right? And you can stream it on the website. Well, we can actually get some information from our, Word, our WordPress account where we can get that
0: traffic. And we can see how
1: many people listen to it on our website.
0: And you can see how long they're on the page and get an idea of how long maybe yeah. they interacted yeah. with the content.
2: Now you're going back to Google Analytics.
0: That's right. To some degree, it's a
2: website, right? Right,
1: right. Um, so... One of the things too, you know, these are some softer metrics out there. First of all, sponsors, right? If people are interested, and in, and in, and, in, why don't you tell the story about um, our sponsorship journey, really quick,
2: Creed? Yeah, so we started. Our first episode came out in February mm-hmm. of last year, and so we started doing this weekly. Um, and about this time last year, I guess we had a couple of a um, couple of uh, technology companies uh, came up to me and said, "Hey, so when?" When are you guys gonna start uh, doing advertising? It's like today, right? <laughs> right now, um, and so that's been really great. And so, yeah. we, you know, we didn't want to just slam the episode full of ads, and so we've got a few pieces of real estate, not many, right. uh, in, in the show, and then uh, we've got obviously the new shows and things like that now, but. Uh, we are now hearing, you know, from conferences last year to conferences this year, we've had several advertisers say that people came up to their booth and said they heard about them on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. so that's a good indication, right? Yep. Another thing is
1: ratings and reviews. Uh, we always encourage people to go out and rate and review because, first of all, it helps your podcast be found on iTunes. Um, we always ask for the five star rating. We don't ask for the one star ratings. Um, and we and the reviews help a lot too because the reviews are great. And for us, we see that as like sort of a benchmark. Of well, at least an awareness of how people are reacting to our podcast, and we're, this year we're looking a little bit more into understanding our audience more by engaging user surveys. But honestly, there is no one specific way to measure you know measure your success. I mean,
2: it'll it'll get better, right? I mean, we're we're seeing more emphasis now and more releases about these things, like we mentioned, uh, and so we'll see we'll see better measurement. Mm-hmm. Um, we mm-hmm. just haven't to this point. Right, so let's talk just briefly about our audience, and then what we're going to do is we're going
1: to focus our attention on the Scott and what he's been doing over um, with the scope. So, really quickly, the big thing is it's about your audience. Reed and I have uh, this belief that you know our podcast is only as good as our audience judges it to be, and I think it's really kind of noble of us to say that. That doesn't mean <laughs> that we always put content in that's useful, yeah. all, uh, aka all your Arby's comments.
2: I, I think the Arby's comments are very relevant. <laughs>
1: anyway so what we do is we we try to build for our audience we do a a place where we can create once publish everywhere in the morning wednesday morning this morning in the hotel room i published it in one place and i know it would distribute it out it was really good that's really important for us we also have a website Um, if we have guests we leverage that guest audience we ask them to promote our podcast we give them the materials they need to promote it so we say here here you're in this podcast. Here's what you can do to copy, share, put it into your LinkedIn, your Twitter, or what have you. Um, Promote it through all your channels, LinkedIn, Twitter, website, wherever it is relevant. Um, Use relevant hashtags. It's a great way to kind of build out your audience. Make sure your content is bingeable because we know, we had actually one guy say to us the other day, today,
2: right? Uh, Yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. Um, we had a guy come up and... uh, and say, hey, you know, love the podcast. Uh, I was repainting my son's room, and so I binge-listened three or four hours at Touchpoint. It's like, why in the world would you ever do that? That's that a horrible idea. It's not a good but, idea. No, um, but so, you know, it's interesting. I told Chris, like, I quit being so surprised every time somebody says they listen to the show. Yeah. But um, but it's, so it's essentially, people do want to binge that. And I think Netflix and, and Hulu and some of those mm-hmm. types of platforms have kind of ushered that in, right?
1: Yeah, and there's other ways, right? I've heard about people, I don't, we don't do this, where they take their audio files and make YouTube videos out of it. I find that to be a little weird because you're going to a different medium, but some people do that. Um, transcribing, that's what you do, Scott. We'll talk about that. Yeah, right?
0: transcribing is huge for us. So. Yeah,
1: because and we'll talk about some of the results you have from that. And then you know, encourage your audience to be participant, give, give feedback. We've done a couple of shows where we asked our audience to t- submit their top tips get audio was a lot of fun to hear other people's voices on it and uh you know and then if you're doing podcasting be a guest on other podcasts because that helps you to build your audience organically
2: hey chris before we go too much further jump into this next segment of the podcast i did want to uh, mention and thank uh, one of our sponsors influence health Uh, you know they've got a consumer experience platform that, that covers several things and correct me if i'm wrong but we've we've talked about content management systems on this podcast yeah we did What about CRMs? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we covered CRMs for sure. And then obviously each and every week we talk about digital marketing. So digital marketing systems, uh, you know, in one way, shape or form have probably been covered, right? That's right. Digital marketing systems. And I
1: would say that we even talk about it in a way of uh, that overall digital consumer
2: experience. Well, there you go. I, you know, I would, I would recommend for anybody interested in one of those topics uh, or anything else, they've also got some complimentary solutions on their website, but, but head over to their website, take a look at what they've got and what they're offering relative to CMS, CRM, digital marketing systems, kind of how all that is woven together in what they call their consumer experience platform. Find your way over to influencehealth.com.
1: We kind of walked through a little bit of the the details here, but really, I think it would be really great to talk to you, Scott, about what you're doing over at the University of Utah.
0: So about five years ago, um, I was looking for job ads. I was trying to reinvent myself. Radio guy, copywriter whose soul was sucked out of writing yell, sell, car sales ads, (laughs) (laughs) And I took a look at the podcasting kind of environment. I'm like, how come there aren't any big corporations, mid-sized to large corporations here? This is five years ago, five, six years ago. And there wasn't. So I created this whole concept of why doesn't Cabela's have a bass fishing podcast? Like Babe Winkleman, except for, and you could advertise on it. You could do product reviews. I'm like, this is brilliant. So I decided I quit my ad job, saved up some money, quit my ad job. I thought I'm going to go out and pitch this idea. So I pitched the idea, was getting very lukewarm, if no response, and I came across a job posting at University of Utah Health saying they were looking for somebody to produce radio shows. And what they wanted to do was they actually wanted to have a full-on radio show where doctors would interact with callers, except for it would just be on the internet. Mm -hmm. So while we were waiting for the equipment to come in to do that, because that requires some very specialized equipment, I was told go out and buy a portable recorder and a couple microphones and start talking to doctors about health and wellness topics. So you can see the portable recorder right there. um, If you want to know, I can give you my whole record kit, but it allowed me to go to doctor's offices. And we just started doing five to seven minute interviews on just different health topics. 1500 interviews later, five years later is where we're at. We've got a pretty massive content library. Um, We now actually have a studio space, and when I say studio space, it's in an office. It's not even sound treated, um, but we do have some pretty nice equipment. We have a stable place. I have a controllable environment to some extent, and you can see the scope studio right there. So you can start out with the portable record kit, and we could have continued down that path. So if you want to pursue this, don't think that you need to make that next step that we did. We made that next step because there were some additional things we wanted to try to accomplish. Why don't you tell us about like all the shows that you're doing? So we have a lot of different shows. And if you're thinking about perhaps having some of your providers do shows, uh, I think the first rule is find somebody who's really motivated and wants to do it. That's going to carry you a long way. You might have somebody who you think would be great at it, but if they're not motivated, it's going to be really difficult. The second thing is hard schedule those interview sessions on your calendar in advance. So I had a group of docs, that had been successful with our public affairs department these were the people that they would call when they needed to do media hits that they said these would be great people to do shows so i already had a set of motivated individuals and we do a wide variety of shows and again i want to get a little geeky here i don't really call us a podcast per se we more produce audio content and i know that this sounds like it's a very thin line but we're not necessarily episodic. We're not necessarily trying to create an ongoing relationship with the listener. Um, We don't stick to a singular niche. Each interview is on a different topic. So your average listener is probably not going to listen to five or six episodes because they're interested in gastric bypass. They're not interested in cardiovascular health. But how we use them, I'll explain in a second. So we were talking a little bit earlier about the different types of shows. The Health Minute is a 60-second little quick deal that we put on radio stations and on the website and it's um, just with a doctor giving us usually a quick little health tip. Uh, we have a pediatrician, Dr. Cindy Gellner. She does kids health. Uh, Dr. Tom Miller is our chief medical officer which gave us great access to the specialists. They would respond to his call quicker than they respond to my call so he interviews his specialists. Plus it's a great way for him to interact with his staff, right? So mm. it's perfect. Uh, science and research show focuses on the research we're doing around the university. Um Health and Wellness Show is another long form podcast we do. We have a uh, OBGYN that does a women's health show. We have a, a ER doc who's fabulous. He does a, a, a ER show. He's a, a solo show. Um, we have a show called The Healthcare Insider talking about um, all these issues we're struggling with. So this is more of kind of a thought leadership play, less to the consumer. And then we also have a podcast that our Dean of missions does called Talking Emissions in Med Student Life, and this is a tool for him to try to increase enrollments. So he'll Mm -hmm. talk to different med students, deans of admissions at different colleges, um, and then record those. Well, you skipped one, the Bundle of Hers. The Bundle of Hers, yes. I skipped that on purpose because I knew that we were going to have a picture of these lovely ladies. So one of the things we face at Utah is there's a certain perception of the people that go to University of Utah Health or that live in Utah. We're very Caucasian, right? We want to have more diverse students. We want to have more diverse students apply. I kind of fell into this by luck, these four women. There are four women who are from very diverse backgrounds, both religiously and culturally and also economically. Um, One of the women here is the daughter of the chief medical officer. Uh, You know, a couple of the other ones were uh, refugees from other countries. So you have a very diverse group of women. And what they're talking about is the challenges of medical school from their perspective. So we talk about niching. I'm not just doing a med student podcast. We're doing a med student podcast with women we're doing a med student podcast with diverse women. We try to ap- appeal to, you know, more of the underrepresented voices than just the women, but they bring a very unique perspective which I think is good for us and good for them. And so. they're running the podcast. Yes, yeah, so I have another full-time employee who is producing this podcast. She does other stuff, but she's producing this podcast with them. Oh, wow. And they they run the whole thing. That's they come really up with cool. the topics and work with the producer and yeah, it's really fun. I'd encourage you to listen to it.
2: I, th- I think that's a great example. And just as a side, you know, we talk about the motivation when you're finding these people to do these shows. If you look at all these physicians across the country that are well-known bloggers or active on Twitter or whatever it is, at least nine times out of ten, maybe ten out of ten times, it was all their idea. Like the health system didn't go to these doctors and twist their arm to do this thing, yeah. right? So, um, you yeah, I think a great example is, like who who is our public affairs department working with and who do we call for media interviews and things like that. So that's an easier kind of avenue in in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: And then give them the power, empower them to do right. it, right. 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 So, so, so
1: you have a lot of content.
0: We do, and we use it a lot of different ways. It comes back to this cope thing you yeah. talked about, create right. once, use many. So again, that geeky line between what's a podcast and what's audio. I consider this more audio content. We use it in a lot of different ways. It's more valuable to us than just having it on iTunes. So it's on our main webpage, thescoperadio.com. When we upload a piece of audio, we put what we call our unit, which is the doctor's identification number into our content management system. It automatically uploads that interview to their physician page. So then they can tell their patients to listen to it. Or if a patient finds a physician page first, they can hear these interviews there. Uh, We have service line pages that are always hungry for new content. So when we tag them, it automatically gets sourced there. Uh, We have subspecialty pages. We promote on social media. We have a weekly email that goes out with all of our audio. We've included audio links and press releases, which is a great way for TV or radio to sample the person that they might be interviewing and have confidence and comfort in that they're going to be good. Um, We've used it on radio. We've used it in radio ads and we've used, we use it in blog posts. Uh, there was one press release where we used it that we sent to a New York Times author. And it, we're, we know because the author told us it was that podcast, that interview with that person that made me realize this was a great story. It's crazy. So That's great. we try to use wow. it as many different ways as possible.
1: So you mentioned social media. You have this thing called audiograms. You want to talk about those? Yeah. So
0: this is a challenge that audio has. If you have video, you can natively (laughs) upload it to Facebook and Twitter. They have mechanisms to do that. There is no mechanism to upload audio natively to Facebook or Twitter. So for podcasters, this has been a challenge for people that are working in audio. So audiograms, this is a free program, um, which name is escaping me right now. That what it allows you to do is, I'll just show you what it allows you to do. So we did an interview with a doctor, a five-minute interview, about how to have healthier skin. In that interview, we asked, give us five tips. So we just took a segment of that interview, now turned it into another piece of content, again, COPE. Yeah. You know, create once, use many. And what audiograms do is it essentially creates a video file as far as Facebook and Twitter is concerned. It gives you this little bouncing bar that indicates to somebody who's scrolling by with their volume off that there's some audio there, that it's not just a still image. And then I think the key is this software automatically puts out the transcript or the, uh, the closed caption. Coming back to maybe you're not ready to do a full-fledged podcast. This might be a way you can come up with five or six audiograms that fulfills a certain need that you have for social media content around, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. So how do you measure success? So
2: we, we talked a little bit about the, the, this is the problematic piece of all of this, right? And so what? how, how have you guys obviously... You know, you're in a lucky position that the University of Utah is looking for this prior to, you know, you, you didn't have to go down the hill, right, of like, I want to do this yeah, thing. Yeah, proving the concept. Right, so they decide they want to do it. You come in, you're doing all
0: this. How, how are you showcasing that it's working? So there are a lot of different ways. One of the ways is we do look at analytics. Now, I will be the first to admit that these, this is a vanity metric, right, but it is still, I think, useful information for us. Um, we take a look at how we've done since we've started. So 90% of our search is Google organic search, which is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, when we first started in 2013, we had about 7,000 sessions. Uh, as of last year, we were 4.3 million sessions. Um, we are showing triple digit growth pretty much every year up into this point. We think we'll probably drop into double digits in 2018, but we're getting noticed a lot by people searching for particular things on the internet. Um, we also look at time spent listening because that tells us that people are interacting and listening to or reading the transcripts of our content. So that's another powerful metric. Mm -hmm. Now those are vanity metrics. So we look at other things too. Uh, We look, how does Google like us? And we have a lot of our content that ranks pretty close to the top, if not on the top in Google organic search. And we have some content that are these featured snippets. And there's no way you can become a featured snippet. What that is, is Google has decided this is a question that people have. We believe that this particular piece of content is the best answer to that question. And if Google likes it, then of course, you know, you're gonna get a lot of views on it. So we have mm-hmm. a lot of different examples of these That's featured cool. snippets. And you can see it, you know, puts a little picture and it gives a little excerpt clip that the person can read.
2: Yeah, I think that's great. And many people have seen that, right? You google like how how to stitch a button back mm-hmm. on a shirt or whatever, and it pulls like from like ehow.com or wh- wherever it seems or deems to be the credible yeah. place. So this is this is, uh, you know, this is a reason in and of itself yeah. to do this stuff, right? Well,
1: there's another cool thing on this next slide here, right?
0: Yeah. So we don't have a direct way. We're working with a customer management system and we're trying to link all this stuff back, right? To show actual dollars. Unfortunately, at this point, we just kind of have some empirical uh, uh, empirical evidence. We have some web stuff that shows that we've linked sales or people scheduling appointments to our content. This is Dr. Jeffrey and He does this procedure for people that have liver pain that nothing else will solve. And this procedure Involves actually taking the patient's liver out putting it back in their body in a different location So it's a very complicated specialized procedure that not a lot of physicians do So the audience level this is somebody who's suffered with liver pain. They probably understand some of the concepts They've found our scope content and there's an interview with him and another gentleman which we'll get to in this clip about the procedure and he has told us that they ask everybody, how did you find out about us? And they can directly link scope content to that phone call to then somebody scheduling appointment with this procedure. But it also has the added benefit of making that patient that much more comfortable. And I think this really speaks to audio's power to be intimate because you're hearing from the doctor about the procedure. Um, I think Dr. Capson actually sums it up better.
3: And the nice thing about the scope interview is you have... The auto transplant team is a multidisciplinary team with multiple physicians involved. And you have two physicians, uh, one, uh, Blake Hamilton, who's our senior urologist, and myself as a transplant surgeon, having a conversation about what people should think about for auto transplantation, what we think about, and then what is auto transplantation. And they can sit there and think about it without any kind of pressure. And I also think it's also pretty good because we have two types of referrals. One is patients are referring themselves and now we're actually seeing other physicians from across the country uh, uh, referring patients. And so if you have the chief of urology at the University of Utah and the chief of kidney transplantation at the University of Utah having a conversation about auto-transplant, specifically designed to inform people, that cuts down their research time from who knows how much to literally five minutes. The other thing is is that many people learn in different ways. Some people like to see things and read And a lot of people like to listen. Um, And I think that's where the scope interview also helps because many people can just sit there, close their eyes and listen to a conversation. Not everybody learns by reading. And, you know, it's a conversation of two authorities on the topic
0: in a way that you cannot get access to. If it was a blog post, you're removed, right? By the writer. This is their actual voices. These are the two people that are going to be you know, taking care of you when you come in. And that's mm-hmm. a powerful thing. It sounds really powerful. So let's, I mean, we, we don't have a lot, a
1: lot of time here, but I really want to get to the fact of like, how are you doing all this stuff?
0: So I'm lucky I have myself another full-time person and we have a couple of part-time editors. We've built up some systems. Uh, if you are doing it yourself though, it can be done. Some of the things that I've, I've learned about is that um, hard schedule the doctor Schedule a 30 minute session. Uh, that second interview is literally free because there's a certain amount of overhead that goes in in the beginning mm-hmm. part. Um, you know, have, have that those two interviews ready to go. Do a little work over email for the structure. And then when they come in, these doctors know what they're talking about. You know, they get so nervous about, what are you gonna ask me? Well, you guys know it. So you just kinda just go down what they would be talking about with the patient, right? right. So we have a system. You know, we come up with the topics. We have a brainstorming session. We contact the doctors. Uh, it's 30 minutes for two interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes about a half hour to 45 minutes to edit and assemble, depending on how well we did our pre-prep work, um, and then we post it to our website. We have to add some images, and the interview goes live. So for that mm-hmm. whole thing, it's about a two and a half hour process. But you, okay, so you talked about coming up
1: with topics, yeah, and I think that that's we're going to go into that deeper into the second half of our of our session today, which we're going to help you brainstorm some topics. But why don't you talk a little bit about the way you decide on topics?
0: So we have a lot of different things. We usually work about one to two months out because doctor schedules are hard to negotiate. So Mm -hmm. that gives us some flexibility there. Um, Our team gets together and we just brainstorm what are people doing in the spring? What are their concerns? What are their questions? Uh, The other question I'll ask is what health concerns are you or your family dealing with? Uh, we also look at what is our marketing priorities for that month. So if it's cardiovascular health month, then we'll, we'll actually take some time and think about, well, what are some topics we can mm. build around that as well? Um, you know, what interesting research is happening? So we really take a listener-centric approach for the most part in as far as what are the listeners doing, thinking, feeling, what are their needs right now at this particular time in their life for their content?
1: Wow, that's pretty cool, isn't it? I'm, I'm pretty inspired here. I, now that I work at a hospital, I'm probably gonna have to start broadcasting. I, I guess it's in my nature here. Cool, that's really cool. What a great story. Thanks for sharing that with us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely.
0: Do I have to leave now?
1: No, you don't <laughs> have to leave, <laughs> actually. It
0: sounded like I had to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guess, thanks for coming in. <laughs> so.
2: Touch
1: point, touch counterpoint. There are two sides to every story.
0: Ready, fight!
2: All right, so this is where uh, the point of the episode, and we'll make this quick, but Chris and I typically argue about something, and uh, <laughs> uh, we usually try to pick a topic, obviously that relates to that day's show, but a topic that has a true black and white or opposite ends of the spectrum. So we, we, we argue opposite, polar opposites, whether we believe those, those uh, actual viewpoints or not. That's,
1: that's true, yeah.
2: Um, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't but, uh, but anyway, so we thought it'd be fun to do here Since yeah. you're our guest
1: Why don't you mediate? You
0: oh, you're going to throw me in, in the middle huh? yeah, yeah, yeah. you get
1: to
2: decide
0: who wins the sorry Alright, well, all right. welcome to Touchpoint, Touch Counterpoint <laughs> Gentlemen, please keep all punches above the belts And do not keep your opinion to yourself All Alright, yeah. right. let's go ahead Today's topic is virtually anything could be made into a podcast Yes or no Let's start with read mm. uh, yes
2: anything and everything can be a podcast we talked about how niche everything has to be right that, that's that's the advantage of podcasting you want to reach a very very small audience in a lot of cases so yeah you can make anything to a podcast
1: i i get the point about niche i mean i agree with you niche is important but read you are crazy to think that everything can be a podcast how do we have the time to do that and why i mean our audiences probably don't care okay look i get it some of the stuff that scott was sharing awesome awesome material but there's some things that we really don't need a podcast about honestly like what
2: well Well, we, we didn't say we needed it we said can it be
1: well, you're not going to get an audience. I mean, what? So what? Your 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 janitorial services are going to create a podcast about how the best way to clean, you know, uh, actually, I think
2: that would actually perform very well. <laughs> I, I think it perform very well. Matter <laughs> of fact. The best and most read blog at SeaWorld was actually the gardener, and he was giving like tips on like how you do this, and the other. it had nothing to do with their core business.
1: Yeah, but that's that appeals to a lot of to a broader audience. Gardening, I mean, a lot of people do gardening.
0: Oh, so let me jump in. What about if uh, an educational institution has guest lecturers come? You just record those lectures and put those out on iTunes? Is that a podcast? No, absolutely not. That, I mean, that's audio. That's good
1: audio. But you don't want to put that out as a podcast. Who's going to listen to that? I mean, this lecture is going to be all over the place unless you're a generalist that has a lot of time on their hands, which I don't think clinical well, people do. Came in person? Somebody showed up and listened to it in person. Yeah, but it wasn't the same audience that sat there for the whole time, was it, in your example? Probably not. See, I don't know. there I you wasn't,
0: go. I wasn't there. What do you maybe turn it to the audience to settle this? Right? What do you guys think? Can't so in favor, everybody thinks that virtually anything could be made into a podcast. No, make a yeah, noise. you got to make noise. It's radio. Really, all, right. right. all right, who does not think virtually anything could be made to a podcast? Microphone. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, okay, I win. All right. all right, all
1: right. Okay, well, we're at the end of the show now. Yes. Um, and so we typically end our shows with recommendations, and these could be any kind of recommendations. Anything in the world doesn't have to be healthcare related, doesn't have to be podcast related. But we, as hosts, we like to think that we're imparting uh, good advice to you about things that we like, things that are in our, that we experience. And since Scott, you've done such a great job as being a guest on our show today.
0: Um, why don't we start first with you? What's your recommendation? So this is something you might enjoy. I never thought I would see the day that I would enjoy this, but there is a prairie <laughs> dog that's on Instagram. And I recommend you follow this prairie dog on Instagram. <laughs> His name is Ikao26. I- I- He's a prairie dog in Japan. Apparently having prairie dogs in, as pets in Japan is a thing because I found two or three of these sites. Uh, And he is the cutest little thing you'll ever see. Um, I grew up on a ranch, so I used to shoot at prairie dogs. I feel (laughs) terrible about the fact that I used to do that now. Wow. Because he's won my heart over. (laughs) So I would, and oh, by the way, here's a prairie dog on Instagram. This is a prairie dog on Instagram with 47,000 followers. (laughs) So that's my. I just want to know how good his Insta
1: story is. Yeah, because that's
0: really what matters now. And watch out for the rabbit hole that you will get into when you start Googling <laughs> prairie dogs as pets because there are really weird YouTube videos out there about how to care for your pet prairie dogs. So. Well, I guess I get to go next. That's my
1: recommendation. Sure. And I'm going to recommend something that I just found out about right before we started here today. See, you can see that I have a computer here in front of me. It's a Mac. It's one of the newer MacBooks, right? And over there is a PC that's actually presenting the, uh, the slideshow that everybody in the audience can see. And I, we were trying to figure out how we're going to master that from an AV perspective. And our sound guy came up and had this little tiny USB flash drive. It wasn't a USB. What was it? What's the connector? USB-C. 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 The new ones, you know, because Mac has to change every port on their Macs. So anyway, he, he had this thing. I was like, these things exist? That would be so handy. Although it was really teeny tiny small, too. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know you the brand. Keep up with that? I know. You'll probably lose it like you lose those earbuds. Yeah. But it was a
0: USB-C and then USB-A, USB which, which then goes to the perfect. USB port.
1: So, hey, we're all about interoperability, and I'm all about inclusionary. So this little USB-A USB, USB a and USB-C, did I yes. get that right? Yeah, That just doesn't yeah. sound right. Yeah. Okay, but that's what I'm recommending.
2: Awesome. Uh, I'm going to recommend an iPhone app. Uh, mm-hmm. I like to play the guitar. My son plays the guitar. And um, I have found an app that is a really good tuner really good. Like you don't have to plug in or anything. So you can just pull the phone out, you know, and so weather changes in the house, the temperature changes a little bit and you get a little out of tune or something like that. It's easy to pop out. Anyway, it's called guitar tuna. Like (laughs) a fish. Wow. Yeah. But it's really good. It seems to be really accurate. It's free. Uh, I'm sure there's some paid features potentially, but that's my, uh, that's my recommendation.
1: That's awesome. Yes. Awesome. Well,
2: thank you everyone for uh, hanging in there during this first hour for the uh, actual live recording of the show. And uh, if you have not, you can go out to the website, touchpoint.health. Uh, special thanks to one of our sponsors, uh, .health. So touchpoint.health and you can check out this show and all the others on the Touchpoint Health mm-hmm.
1: Network. Go out to iTunes, make sure you review yep. us, give Great us five star ratings.
2: Or if you don't want to give us five stars, don't worry about it. Just send
1: just us like, an Instagram or something. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, we really appreciate everybody being here. And uh, for Chris, Scott, our special guest, and myself, thanks for listening, and we'll uh, see you next week.